Welcome to Experience This, the podcast that celebrates remarkable customer experiences and inspires you to stand out from the competition by wowing your customers. Each episode, we bring you a healthy dose of inspiring stories, funny interactions, and practical takeaways. Marketing and customer experience thought leader, Dan Gingas. Shares the mic with customer retention and employee experience expert, Joey Coleman, helping you to get people talking about your business. So get ready, because it's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss the importance of keeping your customers in the loop the sound of customer silence, and the power of creative storytelling. Stockouts, silences, and storytelling. Oh, my. There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. I had a curious experience the other day at the Las Vegas airport. Ooh, I, I hope it's because you won one of those slot machines at your departure <laughs> gate. Alas, no, but that would have been awesome. I always wondered what it would be like to win at one of those. And like, do you claim the prize or do you get on your plane if like your plane's leaving? But no, that's not what it was. That would have been awesome though. I actually was on the way to my gate and I stopped at a fast casual restaurant in the terminal. And before I could place my order to carry with me onto the plane, the person behind the counter explained that if I was going to order a burrito, I should know that they didn't have rice, beans, tomatoes, onions, peppers, shrimp, or steak. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they had lettuce, right? <laughs> yeah, all they had for fillings were chicken, lettuce, cheese, and I'm not making this up, hot sauce. Oh my God, it sounds, <laughs> it sounds like a horrible bachelor dinner. Like <laughs> just pulling stuff out of the, whatever's left in the cabinets. Absolutely. Thankfully, I was not planning on a burrito, but had I been planning on a burrito, I absolutely would not have chosen one given that list of menu items they didn't have. But to be honest, the interaction at the airport reminded me of an article that I had just read in the Harvard Business Review titled, Why You Should Warn Customers When You're Running Low on Stock. The article was co-authored by Benjamin Knight, who's a senior data scientist at Instacart, and Dmitry Mitrofanov, an assistant professor of business analytics at the Carroll School of Management at Boston College. The article discusses the perils of running out of stock and how this negatively impacts revenues for the retailer, the experience for the customer, and long-term loyalty for both parties. The article specifically explores stockouts. Stockouts are what happens when a customer places an order online only to find out upon fulfillment that the product is no longer available. Imagine ordering some apples when the grocery store stock says there are 12 left. And then between the time you place the order and when the in-store shopper fulfills your order, another customer comes into the store and purchases the 12 apples that were meant for your order. I got to tell you folks, this has happened to me many times. That is a stock out. 
In fact, the article points to research that by May of 2020, the frequency of stackouts within the United States had increased to more than 35%, more than double the pre-pandemic level of 14%. Now, to address this, Instacart ran multiple experiments between October of 2021 and April of 2022. And not surprisingly, found that, quote, customers respond better if they're warned there's a chance an item is out of stock than if they find out after ordering, end quote. <laughs> I'm sorry I find this so funny, but like, yeah, shocker. They yeah. Like to know ahead of time. Riveting news from the Harvard Business Review. But here's what's interesting is that for a company like Instacart that is relying on their partners to give them accurate stock level information, it's really difficult to keep customers in the loop when you don't have access to your partner's inventory management system. So Instacart had to get creative. Now, they did a few interesting things that I wanted to share. First, they added a, quote, likely out of stock label to an item's description if Instacart's machine learning model estimated the probability the item being in stock is falling below a certain threshold. They then relabeled and changed the functionality of the associated button that allowed customers to add that item to their order. And instead of it just being a plus sign, the button instead read request. Now, when a customer did request an item, Instacart did the third thing. Because they were concerned about being able to fulfill, clicking on that button took the customer to a replacement menu where customers were given the option of choosing a specific alternative or disabling replacements for that item altogether if their requested item couldn't actually be fulfilled at the time of the fulfillment of the order. You know, it's interesting when you were listing those, when you first said likely out of stock, I was like, hmm, I'm not sure that I love that language because... I kind of want to know, is it out of stock or not? You know, if it's only likely, then it, you're almost... Do I want to take me, a risk? Do I want to gamble or not? Yes, exactly. Back to Las Vegas, right? So, but then when you read the other two, I think that that totally makes up for it. And, and now it's a clean journey to sort of decide, okay, I, I'm willing to take a risk. But what that means is I'm requesting it, not ordering it. And they're letting me pick a backup, which I think is great. The one other thing I would ask for, by the way, and this is what my grocery store never does, is they don't seem to be very logical in choosing a backup for you. So, <laughs> Oh, no. you, instead of apples, let me get you a bag of Doritos. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, that's not actually what I was going for. Or, you know, hey, the store brand of rice cakes is 99 cents this weekend. Well, we're out of those. So we're going to give you the $5 version of some other brand that's exactly the same thing. And it's like, well... Maybe you could have guessed that I was getting the 99 cent one because I don't know, it was 99 cents, uh, maybe. But it doesn't research around the concept of the scarcity effect show that if a customer thinks something is scarce, they might actually place a higher value on it and maybe want it more. It does indeed, my friend. And that can lead to customers buying more in the case in case the item actually does run out in the future. This is a concept that they refer to as hoarding. It can also lead to customers buying more because of the scarcity. They think that other people are buying this up and they don't want to be left out. This is a concept known as hurting. So what, pray tell, is a business supposed to do about this hoarding and hurting stuff? Well, I'm so glad you asked. An analysis of Instacart's experiments 
found several interesting and frankly, counterintuitive results. Customers didn't actually buy the items that were running low. There was a relative 25% reduction in items ordered that were, quote, likely to be out of stock. It appears that customers didn't want to risk the disappointment given all the supply chain shortages that they were hearing about on the news and experiencing in their daily lives. There was also a 3.28% reduction in replacement items receiving a negative customer rating. The research seemed to suggest that changing the customer's reference point helped. As the article noted, quote, customers typically expect to receive all the items they order and may perceive a failure to deliver any specific item as a significant loss. In contrast, labeling low-in-stock items with a, quote, likely out-of-stock advisory may shift the customer's reference point into the domain of prospective gains. Not gaining the item they would have ordered is less painful than not getting the item after committing to buy it. Close quote. Oh, I love it. It's like psychology and economic theory all rolled into one. All in your shopping cart. Exactly. By letting customers know about potential stockouts, Instacart experienced several business benefits. Quoting from the article, a policy of sharing item availability information with customers leads to a 4.9% relative increase in order frequency and a 5.33% relative increase in revenue per customer over the longer term. See, friends, it really does pay to be honest. You get customers to order more and to stay longer. The article had three key takeaways that I think are relevant to all of our experience this listeners. Number one, sharing low item availability information helps customers form more realistic expectations about the risk of a stockout. Now, setting expectations and managing expectations is clearly a major part of a successful customer experience, and this research continued to prove that. Number two, sharing low-item availability information empowers customers who place a premium on service reliability to switch from high-risk, low-availability items to low-risk, high-availability items when making their purchases. Letting customers choose their own adventure with more insight as to the outcome creates happier customers. And number three, sharing potentially unflattering low-item availability info with customers increases customer trust of the retailer and consequently their engagement with the platform in the long term. The moral of the story, when it comes to your stock levels, tell your customers the truth. Let them see behind the scenes and they will reward you with more orders, more loyalty, and more patience now and in the future. We love telling stories and sharing key insights you can implement or avoid based on our experiences. Can you believe that this just happened? I recently traveled to Ireland and on a brief layover at the Amsterdam Schiphol Airport in the Netherlands, I saw a sign that informed me I was in a, quote, silent airport. Have you ever heard of a silent airport, Dan? Well, now, Joey, I've heard of a library <laughs> and I've heard of an airport, but I have not heard of a silent airport, no. Yeah, and to be honest, silent airport is not a... Uh, 
a phrase that I had heard before, nor is silent usually a word that I would pick to modify an airport, which took me on a little bit of a research expedition to figure out what is a silent airport. It's an airport where they don't make announcements over the loudspeakers. No, final call for flight 231 to Brisbane. Or, paging Mr. Gingus, paging Mr. Dan Gingus, please come to the courtesy phone for an important message. I had never seen this before, so I did a little more research and found that at least 17 airports around the world confirm that they are indeed silent. But alas, none of these airports are in the United States. Well, I haven't seen a courtesy phone in a long time either. (laughs) But I mean, it is, it's kind of funny when you're walking through the airport, even when you're sitting at the gate and you're hearing announcements for three or four other flights and you keep looking up because you think yours is boarding, but no, it's somebody else. And there is a lot going on. And I could see where there might be some peacefulness involved in a silent airport. There is. And what they do specifically in Amsterdam is there aren't any announcements that are broadcast across the entire airport unless there's like a missing child or a security threat or some type of an emergency. But they have little tiny announcements at the gate, right? But it just never gets broadcast over the big ones. And what that creates is a bit of a feeling of serenity, to be honest, as you're walking through the airport from gate to gate, because there isn't just this blaring noise of random information that frankly isn't applicable to you. So this was kind of an interesting experience. We got on the plane and we flew to Dublin. When we arrived, we were walking around a little bit, my wife and I, and we passed a department store that had a large sign at the entrance. And the sign read as follows. It's all so quiet. Please help us create a stress-free, sensory-friendly environment by putting phones on silent, avoiding ringing till bells, and limiting noise as much as possible during the following hours. It then had a handwritten sign that said 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Now, while not entirely silent like the airport, this store was trying to create an island of silence, at least for an hour, on the otherwise loud and bustling Grafton Street in downtown Dublin. Now, how did you feel about this hour of silence? Did it make you more or less excited to enter said store? Well, I have to admit I was intrigued, so I went in. And it was a department store full of people that was almost uncannily quiet. And what I thought was interesting about this one is it seemed to be doing a blend because it was only for an hour of creating a space where it would give customers a break from the typical noise and hustle and bustle. Because if you've been to Dublin, Grafton Street is kind of like, you know, it's like Main Street, big city, right? It's the main area, shopping area where everybody's walking along and there's often a lot of buskers or street performers outside and there's a good amount of noise happening. So it was kind of a quiet little refuge. But then I also kind of hooked on to that sensory friendly environment. And I was reminded, and this is actually a bit of a callback to the episode that we did where we talked about Pizzability, the restaurant in Denver that I went to that was especially designed for folks that were challenged in terms of uh, sensory stimulus or overload. And they very much advertise that and they have a lot of things in the restaurant to help counter that. They had large earmuffs. They had specially designed trays that didn't make as much sound. And they were trying their best to accommodate folks that might struggle navigating in their day-to-day lives because of sensory overwhelm. And so I thought, well, this is interesting kind of on the heels of the silent airport to see a silent store. 
Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about this, honestly, and let me explain why. You know, there's a commuter train in the Chicago area that goes to and from the suburbs to the city. And most of the times, especially if you're going during rush hour, one or more of the cars are designated silent cars. Okay, when you get into a silent car, the rules are pretty clear. You're not supposed to talk on the phone. You're not supposed to talk to your neighbor. People are in there to work or read and they want it to be silent. But you also know you make a choice to go into the silent car, right? Or you make a choice not to go in the silent car if you don't want to do any of those things. I like that. And often, frankly, I am one of those people that will go sit in the silent car. The thing that's a little strange to me about the airport, and especially the store, is that I now no longer have a choice of whether I want it to be silent or not. And while that may, I get why that may appeal to people with sensory issues, et cetera, I wonder if it also could be a turnoff to others, which is why I asked you whether it made you more or less interested in going into the store. Me, I probably would have been like, uh, I think I'm going to keep walking because like, I'm afraid I'm going to accidentally make a peep and everybody's going to shush me and it's going to be embarrassing. Interesting, because I actually had the opposite experience. I was thinking, wow, this is a fun experiment. And we go through life with lots of sound. Maybe having a little quiet space would be something really different or really fun. And since that's not been my usual experience in airports, nor has it been my usual experience in department stores... I was actually intrigued by this. Maybe it's our personalities. I wasn't worried about making too much sound that I would be the problem causer. Instead, I was like, oh, this is convenient. I'm not going to have to listen to someone chattering away on their cell phone or listen to you know people having obnoxiously loud conversations. It'll be just a little bit of a more peaceful interaction. Well, I mean, so then the answer is to each their own. And I think I'd be interested in knowing whether this is works for the store. You know, you you said in the last uh, segment that uh, that being able to communicate better about stockouts actually led to more revenue. I'd love to personally see some research on whether this works or not, because if it does, fantastic. If it's alienating people, let's think through it again. But broadly speaking, I think it's very fascinating, and you and I both know that that the senses, the five senses, play a huge role in how people perceive an experience with any brand or store or what have you. And not many times is the, is the sense of hearing affected one way or another. Uh, and I think this it, it's certainly an interesting experiment. Uh, and maybe we'll learn more in the future. I agree. And I think uh, in terms of sound in a store environment, that's usually playing music in the elevator or piping in music in the background. This idea of the absence of a sense... I thought was an interesting uh, perspective. So here's something to consider for everyone listening. Should you have quiet hours at your office or your store? A time when your employees or your customers or both can get away from the cacophony of life to enjoy a bit of peace, a little bit of quiet. Hmm. Let's sit quietly and think about what that would be like. True Confessions of a Call Center Agent. I have a confession to make. It seems like my company doesn't want people to talk to me. We have call center agents ready to help our customers, but we hide our phone number like it's a treasure that Indiana Jones is going to need to help you find. This results in people spending tons of time looking for us 
And when they finally do get through, they're usually pretty frustrated. Good evening, and thanks for calling Tech For You. This is James. How can I help you? OMG. I can't believe it. Is this really Tech For You? <laughs> yes, it is. And I'm happy to help you. What seems to be going on? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just shocked to be talking to a live human. You're, you are alive, right? Well, the last time I checked, I was. It sounds like you had a bit of a challenge reaching us. You don't know the half of it. I couldn't find your phone number on your invoice, on your website, or on any of your social media channels. I had to go to the sixth page of Google results before I could find a phone number. And even then, it was on a blogger's site with instructions on how to track down a real person at tech for you Wow. Okay. Uh, look, I'm, I'm so sorry about that. I don't know what to say. As long as you did get through to me, I'm happy to help you. What seems to be the problem? I can empathize with the customer. We're ready, willing, and able to help out, but it doesn't seem like our organization wants us to. It just doesn't make sense. We constantly push people to social or to our website or to chat, but we're more than capable of handling phone calls too. This isn't good customer experience or agent experience. I sure wish we were using Coveo. To avoid bad experiences for both your customers and your agents, you need Coveo. Visit get.coveo.com slash experience this. That's G-E-T dot C-O-V-E-O dot com slash experience this to learn about creating an AI-powered agent experience that delivers the relevant personalized interactions people expect. You listen to us. Now we want to listen to you. By visiting our website and sharing your remarkable customer experiences with us, we can share them with a broader audience. Now sit back and enjoy our listener stories. About a week ago, Dan made a post on LinkedIn about a recent episode of Experience This. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Joey, it's, it's super cool. There are these things called social media platforms. You can share content with people. Ha, 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 I get it. But I actually did see your post and I saw a comment from one of your fans that said, adding to my queue of pods, thank you. And when you're doing your next set of episodes, I'll be happy to share about my bank you can legally launder at in the Ozarks. Now, needless to say, this comment got my attention. And I actually responded faster to the comment than Dan did. Which was definitely a shocker for me, I must admit. Haha. <laughs> Well, I did a little research, I connected with the commenter, and I invited her to share more about her story on the show. So I'd like to introduce you to Tyann Marsink-Hammond, owner of The Bank House and queen of guest experience at Touch Stay Digital Guidebooks, explaining how you can legally launder at a bank in the Ozarks. Did you know it takes a 30-inch drill bit to go through the walls of a bank vault? Well, in 2018, I bought a bank, a bank where you can now legally launder in the Ozarks. This bank was built in 1902, and when I bought it, it had both original vaults inside it, and I turned it into a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath vacation rental. 
Now, the one vault where we drilled through the walls, we made that into the laundry room. So you should have seen the looks on the faces of the delivery guys when they brought my washer and dryer into the bank. They were a little confused about exactly where I wanted it to go, but it is incredible. And it's such a great line to say, I bought a bank where one can legally launder in the Ozarks. Okay, I absolutely love this for many, many reasons, not the least of which is that I'm a pretty big fan, as I think you are, Joey, of the show called Ozark on Netflix. And this is, sounds like something they would do. Absolutely. I mean, so funny. I I got the reference right away that it was referring to the show and you know laundering money in the Ozarks. But I think even if you didn't get that reference, you would be intrigued. And this type of funny reference, this type of intriguing reference made me need to learn more. Not want to learn more, friends. Need to learn more. What I love about this is that this is a short-term rental property, you know, a rent-to-stay for the night type situation that Tyana has built an entire story around. You know, she found a place that had this unique characteristic of two vaults. She decided to take it to the next level by putting the washer and dryer inside the vault. But that's not the only part of the story. If you go to the website to learn more about the bank house and kind of see what they're uh, promoting, not only is it a unique place to stay, but it's located in a really fun part of the country. It's not far from the Katy Trail, which is the longest rails to trails road in the US. That's where they take old railroad track roads and they pull up the tracks. And instead uh, of having the railroad tracks there, you can ride bicycles or go on hikes. This one's 237 miles long. It's also on the edge of Missouri wine country, the Augusta Valley, which interestingly enough, as Tyann told me, was the first dedicated wine country in the United States. Napa was the second. And this little town is also the last stop of Lewis and Clark's expedition as they headed up the Missouri River to find the Pacific Coast. The reason I share all of this is there are layers upon layers to the story that Tyann can tell to people that are staying at the bank house. She can talk about the bank. She can talk about the rails to trail. She can talk about the wine country. She can talk about Lewis and Clark. The moral of the story is there's always something that you can build a story around. I'm going out on a limb and guessing that there's a future overnighter with Joey and his wife, Barrett, at the bank house. Am I right there? You know, if I have the chance, I am definitely going to check it out. It looks awesome. And, you know, a road trip to Missouri, I know not something that a lot of people necessarily had on their bucket list before listening to this segment of Experience This, but hopefully they will now. What I will say is that Tyann clearly gets this. And she not only gets it in terms of how she thinks about the space and the storytelling, she gets it in the way that she thinks about designing experiences and what you want to do to attach an emotion to the experience you're hoping to create for your customers. But she says it so beautifully. Let's go to Tyann. Lodging or a place to stay, heads and beds, this is so different than actual giving an experience. People crave experience. Experience can be something out of the norm, out of the average day to day. They want something different. This could be 
wonder. This can be excitement. It's something that, oh, it gets those endorphins going within you and it gets you moving. And then the experience becomes memorable. And when you can create a brilliant experience, especially when it's a place to stay, not just heads and beds, not just lodging, but a brilliant experience, you can create loyal guests and raving fans. Hopefully hearing about the bank house has you wanting to get moving all the way to Missouri for a visit. Go to MissouriHouse.com. That's Missouri, H-A-U-S.com, the German spelling, MissouriHouse.com. And check out The Bank House in Marthasville, Missouri for an experience that you'll love the story and you'll want to talk about it. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. You're the best listener ever. And since you listened to the whole show, yay, you. We're curious. Was there a specific part of this episode that you enjoyed the most? If so, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with a coworker, a friend, or someone that just loves listening to podcasts. And while you're in the sharing mood, if you felt inclined to jump over to iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts and write us a review, we would so appreciate it. And when you do, don't forget to let us know as we might have a little surprise for you. Thanks again for your time and we'll see you next week for more Experience This.